0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: um so yes the same war arsenal podcast first preview um big shout out to my arsenal family for bringing me on board um It is a privilege, it is an honour. I'm sure Craig and Dan have got their black clipboards already waiting to put off the checklist to see how well I'm doing. Bit of a technical hitch at the beginning, people, but that is what happens. Big up to the people in the chat. Smash the like button if you haven't already. Also, not to forget, the podcast is sponsored by West Beard Oil Company. So people, maintain your beards. Ladies out there for your amazing partners. Hit the link in the description and yes, enjoy the product. So people, yeah, so my first go on them um, hosting the same old Arsenal. This is a little bit weird for me tonight because obviously I was a massive fan of the podcast in the beginning. So to turn full circle and to be asked to sort of host the show, it's a very, very seminal moment for me. And to be honest with you, I couldn't think of a better guest to join me to discuss the troubles and the woes of Arsenal. Um, First, I want to introduce introduce Rowan, who's like a little brother to me, personally. But um, Rowan, welcome aboard, um, and thank you for joining me for my first outing as the host on the same old Arsenal preview show.
0: No, thanks. It's really good to be on. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. I always like to kind of interact with different audiences, and um, this is a great platform to do so. So, yeah, thanks um, for having me.
1: No, I appreciate it. Like I said, I couldn't think of a better person to sort of join me for. Being an Arsenal fan of recent years has been very, very difficult. Um, people in the chat, as I mentioned before, get your virtual waves in and, and hellos and <laughs> hugs if possible. But um, yeah, Rowan, I sort of want to sort of kick off by asking you. Um, I'll be honest, it's sort of, to give you a bit of context, um, sort of the end of last season, and coming into this new season in terms of what Arsenal were going to do in the transfer market. I be honest with you I wasn't too confident and I'll sort of touch on it a bit later as to why I wasn't. Um bit of a loaded question but what have you made of all what have you made of the signings so far and also combine that with what you've seen in terms of the pre-season games you've seen with Arsenal?
0: Yeah, I think obviously before the window started, we were all thinking of this um, big summer rebuild of looking to shift a lot of players out and then kind of bringing in players who fit the philosophy and the profiles Arteta's looking for. And um, it has been slow, um, without a shadow of a doubt. I think when you look at the business that we've done, I like um, the signings we've made in terms of profile-wise. When we look at you know Ben White, Sambi Lukonga and Nuno Tavares, I think each of those guys... um, give us something really important going to next season. Because if we start with Tavares, um, I think one of Mikel Arteta's biggest flaws last season was towards the latter stages of the season where we had Kieran Tierney absent in that period where we had the two legs against Villarreal. And we played this 4-2-3-1 system and it brought us good success um, since Boxing Day. Then when Tierney went out injured, we didn't have a naturally left-footed left-back in reserve in Mikel Arteta's eyes. And so in those games against Villarreal we changed the system and we played Jacker at left back and rather than overlapping he stayed deep and then we had Pepe playing on the left so it was kind of a lot of changes Tarte played in midfield operating more as uh, in a lone role kind of covering the whole of the midfield and there were a lot of changes and I think it kind of ruined the dynamic and um, as we saw in the two games against Villarreal we didn't look convincing at all um, both in terms of offensively and defensively and you can just see how important that one player has in your team in Kieran Tierney he became absent we didn't have a naturally left footed left back in reserve so it kind of messed a lot of things up and Tavares coming in although the levels between Tierney and Tavares is is significant Tierney's uh, by far a better player but profile wise he's very similar to Tierney so we have that backup in reserve now so if Tierney does become unavailable we don't have to chop and change a lot of things around with regards to the system. And he's young, and I think the price we bought him for um, is, is desirable. Lokonga as well, we needed to strengthen midfield depth-wise. And I think when you look at him, um, the reports that came out of um, Belgium and how a lot of people spoke very highly of him, um, and you see the way he's performed in pre-season, he'd been a very good player as well, um, certainly has a lot of potential. And it's another signing that made sense in terms of strengthening midfield. And Ben White, I think, is another good signing. Um, you know, last season, I think David Louise was arguably one of our most consistent performers, um, both defensively and also what he provided on the ball in terms of ball progression. And I wanted to keep him for one more season because of those experience and leadership he provides, both on and off the pitch. But with him going, we needed to replicate and replace the qualities that he was going to um, take with him. And I think Ben White... Was the perfect replacement, not in terms of not just in terms of ball progression, but also the way he can drive forward with something Louise um, can't do, and also the way he's confident a high line. So, although when you look at Ben White, 50 million is an expensive price tag, but I think we've got to consider English tax and um, players do come at those kind of prices. You know, Wamba Saka for um, United went for 50 million. Harry Maguire obviously went for 80 million. So, I think we just got to accept that. So, I like the signings we've done. I would have liked. To see more without a shadow of a doubt, you know, a creative right back, a goalkeeper coming in. But I think also I I like to kind of look at things from the club's perspective as well. And I think it's been difficult to move players out, not just for Arsenal, but other clubs as well. Um, You know, being in the middle of a global pandemic hasn't helped. And I think that's kind of stifled our ability to progress deals quickly. But hopefully as the transfer window comes more towards the end, you will start to see the club kind of cutting their ties with a lot of players, and we can bring in a couple more reinforcements. So that's my thoughts on the transfer window. In terms of pre-season, it's definitely not been <laughs> as convincing as what we would have liked to have seen. I, I don't look too much into pre-season personally. I look at it more well, from a I was
1: gonna I was gonna ask you that. Um, yeah. because everyone has their different view of what preseason is. Some people say, you know, it's about fitness and you know, getting the players into shape. Some people look at the results religiously. It just depends how you look at it. I'll be honest, I'll come back to you again with the performances, what you've seen in pre-season. And we played Hibs, Rangers, Millwall, Watford, Chelsea and Tottenham. Um, I'll be honest with you, in terms of myself, um, I kind of kept away from a lot of the pre-season games because I was kind of already in the mindset that I'm going to judge it more so Obviously, you have to take into consideration the transfer window, who who comes in and who leaves. But more so the first two months of the season, which we're going to touch on. Um, so I don't pay too much attention to the preseason. But I must admit, I hadn't sort of seen a lot of the game. So I was going on by my sort of trusted people that I sort of talked to in terms of Arsenal supporters and what their feelings were. But I made a conscious effort to watch the last preseason game. Because you do need to see it with your own two eyes. You can't just go by hearsay and um, what people tell you. You have to see it for yourself. Um, Before I come to you, what I kind of saw, I don't know what you might agree, people in the chat, let us know your thoughts. Um, I saw a lot of what I saw last season. I saw a lot of having a lot of possession of the ball, getting into the final third or getting into wide areas and not producing anything that's what I saw against Tottenham. Do do you agree or how did you see it differently?
0: I I would agree with that. Definitely in the Tottenham game, um, you know, you saw it. I think looking at that game, I think, you know, Mikel Arteta talking about how Arsenal dominated the game um, afterwards. I didn't quite agree with that. I think there were spells in that game, I think from the 10th to the 40th minute where I think you're spot on. Um, I thought, you know, the way Ben White kind of um, played in that high line, the way he was aggressive in winning the ball back. And then we kind of had a lot of, Situations where we were in the final third, we were actually well organised, but we didn't create much. Um, The opportunities that we did have, you couldn't say they're um, clear opportunities. And um, like you said, I think you know a lot of the attacks did break down in the final third. And again, I think that comes down to quality um, in terms of reinforcements as well. And I think also in the Chelsea game, I thought there was few much uh, more better opportunities in that game and um in, in the previous games as well there were we did create opportunities but when you're going against these types of teams it's it gives you more of an understanding of how the team is and the kind of condition they're in and it is a bit of a worry in terms of um the lack of creativity in the final third and um i won't say um you know I, i'd say last season before boxing day we were very poor in terms of creativity we did improve but it could obviously be better and again it's the same in the game as what we saw in the Spurs so I I would agree with you um with with those comments yeah
1: yeah sort of sort of coming back to the three incomings or the main one I'm going to talk about um with Ben White um that that rumor stirred up a lot of um heated discussion should I say to put it politely? I'll give you my thoughts personally and I'll ask you what your feelings were towards the links, And obviously now that we've got him, I didn't have an issue with it. Yeah. I know people will put the argument out there. Arsenal had the third best defensive record in the league, but let's be honest, there's still a lot of teething problems of our defence, whether that's in terms of people being injured consistently, different centre-back pairings, um, people getting over COVID from last season, people leaving. There's still for me, a nucleus, of problem there. So I didn't have an issue with the Ben White links. I think what I said at the time, and I'm going to say it again, is Ben White was a victim of being English.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you, you know,
1: it they're going to cost more. Um, yeah. And, and I could foresee what would happen, for example, if Ben White had gone to Liverpool, for example, and absolutely tore it up. The Arsenal fan base would have been having kittens. And they would have been because they would have been saying, why don't we purchase this guy? And I must admit, 50 million, 40 million, 30 million, it's not my money. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if he's going to bring quality and make the defence better, then what would be the cons? There's more pros than cons. And I was pr- impressed particularly what I saw against Tottenham
0: because
1: yeah, 100%. he got last-ditch tackles in, he didn't dive in, he stood up, he looked comfortable on the ball, he can bring the ball out. His head was in the right areas at the right time when crosses were coming in. I was very impressed. Um, what did you make initially of the, the to and fro in between Arsenal fans in regards to links of Ben White and what you've seen with your own two wives for Arsenal and for Brighton previously? I
0: love him. He's a player that I really like, not just from Brighton, but in his Leeds days as well. Um And you make a really good point about the defensive record. I think defensively, Mikel Arteta, one thing I think potentially most of us can agree with is that he has made us structurally a lot better defensively. Mm -hmm. But just because you had the third best defensive record doesn't mean you don't need to reinforce Mm -hmm. in those areas because it's not just about defending. It's about how you build out from the back. And I think a lot of people haven't looked into this. And earlier, obviously, I've um, just spoken to you about David Luiz and how I would have kept him for one more year because of the experience, the leadership yeah. of the pitch and also the ball progression he provided. Because David Luiz, one thing we can all agree with is that he is one of the top ball playing centre backs out there um, in terms of how he can hit those diagonals out wide, breaking the line centrally. And with him leaving, it was imperative that we bought a centre-back in. We had to. And when you look at Ben White, I think what I like about the club is, although Ben White's got experience, it's not a significant amount of experience. But they've targeted a player whose profile suits what we want to do. And, you know, when you look at Ben White, I think one thing I've seen in pre-season is that we're looking to be a lot more aggressive in our press, Um It wasn't as evident in certain games, but that's something that Arteta is looking to work on. And if you want to press aggressively, you have to squeeze as a unit. So you need your back line to be comfortable in playing a high line. And not only are they comfortable in terms of winning the ball back high up, but if players do go in behind, they can recover their position. And Ben White fits the bill there. And for Brighton, for Leeds, one of his best attributes is being tenacious, winning the ball back. And you saw it in the Spurs game where he did it three or four occasions um, for Son. And it allowed us to kind of spring forward. Yes, we didn't create opportunities, but Ben White did his job in that sense. And also, like you said, the last-ditch tackles. He's very good at recovering his position. Um, so I-, I was really happy with the signing. And I can't see it failing because when you look at Ben White and you look at the last two managers he's been under, Graham Potter and Marco okay. Bielsa, good point. two aggressive managers two managers who defenders need to be comfortable in defending in isolation but also they need to be good on the ball and Ben White won player of the season in both years for both Brighton Leeds. and I know Arteta is um, a person who divides a lot of opinion amongst the fan base but I think he is he has a similar footballing philosophy to those guys yes there's not the same principles and tactical methods but they share the same idea in terms of they want to be dominating the game with the ball. So Ben White, I think, fits fits the bill perfectly. And it was imperative we signed him because we need that guy at the back who's going to help us progress forward.
1: No, Well said. People in the chat, thank you for your interaction. Smash the like button and subscribe to the same old Arsenal if you haven't already. I'm sure you can multitask and watch the podcast at the same time. It <laughs> is possible, believe me. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, um, Rowan, mate, um, just to sort of move on, Slightly, but sort of sticking with the theme of the players, really. I want to talk to you about Um, Abamyang and Lacazette. Um, where, where do I start? Um, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. In terms of we'll start with Abamyang. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I was obviously pleased when he signed the contract. I wouldn't say I was pleased in the point that I was doing cartwheels and having parties that he stayed because you know, we wasn't buying a new player, we wasn't buying somebody that was yeah. gonna transform the fortunes of Arsenal for years to come just because of his age. Um, I take into account there were major circumstances as to why he performed the way he did last season. Totally, totally understand that. What have you made of what you've seen with him in pre-season and also with Lacazette? With Lacazette, I personally... You know, there's no secret that the rumours were true before the start of last season that Roma were interested. They're talking about the region of £30 million. Personally, I would have sold him. Um, And I said coming into this season, before I bring you in, I don't want to see personally Yang and Lacazette still at the club. One of them has to go. And more than likely, it would have to be Lacazette. Yeah, Still time. But, mm-hmm. yeah, what's your thoughts on... Starting with Obamyang first, our, yeah. our club captain, um, and then we'll sort of move on to Lacazette, if you can break it down for me, bro.
0: Yeah, I think with Obamyang, he is going through a torrid time, isn't he, um, at the moment? Um, I think if we look at preseason, like I said, you've not, you've not managed to catch all the games. Um, I think if I look at the positives, I think Obamyang, towards the back end of last season and in preseason in certain games, I think he's improved slightly in his link up play the way he mm. drops in and he kind of brings others into the game. It's not still as good as Lacazette. In fact, it's nowhere near as good as what Lacazette does. But I think he's improved on that aspect. Um, but with Aubameyang is it is worrying because what we associate Aubameyang with is that predator box and the way he converts chances. And although obviously in the Tottenham game, there wasn't anything there for him, there have been yeah. other games where he has missed Guilted opportunities. I mean, the Chelsea game, Nuno Tavares puts in a really good ball for him. It's a free header and you completely miscues it. Um, I remember the game against Rangers, free, good oh opportunity. Oh, my God, I saw that. Yeah. Um, it is, he's going through a torrid time and um, it is a worry. Um, what I don't like, I know we're going to touch on it potentially, is in this system, I do not like Lacazette and Abamyang together one bit. I no, think no. it massively... Yeah massively ruins the balance in the team. Um, And then when you add Pepe there, you look at those three guys. You've spent significant money on them. They can't work as a collective. They just can't. And um, Because when when you look at the front line, you need balance across the whole pitch. And Pepe, I've always kind of... supported him uh, I do like him but I understand his weaknesses and his weaknesses is doing the simple things right you know giving the ball away cheaply and it's so frustrating to see um, and then Abamying as well like I said he has improved on his link-up play slightly but again it's not enough so you've got two guys there who aren't secure on the ball so how are you going to be able to control the game in the final third when you've got two players who are going to give the ball away Amen like that? To that. yeah you know yeah. then Lacazette as good as he is in the build-up play and I think he's had a very good preseason. He doesn't attack the box as what I would like to see. I remember the the Chelsea game. There's a really good situation where Tierney, the quality he delivers in the final third is outrageous. And he puts a great ball in across the face of goal. And Lacazette doesn't attack the near post. And I didn't play as a striker um, in football, um, but one of the first things I always hear from the coach is you've got to attack the near post and you've got, to, you know, you've got to feed off those opportunities. And it was, it wasn't a chance created because he didn't get the on the end of it. But in my eyes, that is a chance created because a centre forward attacks that, you know, similar to way Giroud used to do for Arsenal. I know he got a lot of criticism, but there were certain things that he did what I like. So with Aubameyang, it is it is worrying. I do think he just needs one goal, and I think he could potentially kind of kick on. I don't think we'll see the Bamiyang to what we've seen in previous years in terms of hitting those kind of goals. Because what we've got to understand is he was very efficient, you know, back then. Um, like when you look at his underlying statistics yeah. and metrics, he wasn't getting many opportunities, um, but he was just efficient. And right now, he's just missing those opportunities. But hopefully, if he can get one goal in, it can kind of put him on a bit of a run. But it, it is worrying. Um, I, yeah, it's his worry times with regards to the striker situation. And um, Like I said, with Lacazette as well, I agree with you. Last season, one of the club's biggest problems was selling players at the right time where their value is at optimum level. Yeah. And that last, last season had to be sold. And now I think the club are in kind of a dilemma where, do they sell Lacazette now where we're not going to get much for him? Um, and when you consider what he does provide for the team, is it worth it? So I think... It's a difficult one, but I'd, I would definitely still look to sell him this summer if the if, if a good value comes in. But then it's a case of bringing someone in.
1: Well, um, we know how Arsenal are when it comes to bringing people in. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, you know what? The, the Lacazette and the Bamiyang thing drives me mad, it, bro. Because I've yeah. got to be honest. I was on, I would, uh, one aspect of the pitch where I probably was on the Arsenal players the most and this might surprise people. It's not the midfield, it was the strikers. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and you touch on it, you make a good point because I think any you don't, even have, to, you don't even have to be someone that's a football coach or, you know, sometimes your set of eyes don't lie to you. Abamyang and Lacazette cannot yeah. play together. And there's still some Arsenal fans that think that they can. Yeah, I think uh, there's, to me, there's very, yeah. very few isolated times I can remember where... They've combined well as a partnership. I'm thinking probably Europa League semi-final against um, yeah. Valencia. But there's not a number of games where these guys have played well together. They cannot play in the same team. If you're going to play that four-two-three-one formation, I'm not Lacazette's biggest fan, but you play him as the main guy because he's got better hold-up play and better all-round play. Yeah. But you cannot shoehorn both these guys into the team. Yeah. And even with in even with inexperience or the experience around him because we're led to believe in terms of the backroom stuff, he has experience there. That's what we're told. So I cannot believe they cannot see that these two guys can't play together. Yeah, It's crackers. I mean, I think Lacazette, um, quote me if I'm wrong, Rowan, but um, I think his best return for goals while he's been at Arsenal, I think was Emery's first season where we scored 19 in all competitions. I think I might be right, I might be wrong, but people, I'm sure in the chat, will tell me. But um, And you think to yourself, as a striker, you're judged, there's that classic saying that 20, 25 goals a season.
0: Mm.
1: Lacazette's never hit that at Arsenal. No.
0: Never. No. He's, he's not... 15, yeah, not 15, oh, sorry, yeah, he's not hit 15 Premier League goals yet since he's came to the club. Um, I think last season, I don't know, in terms of all competitions, Um, I'd have to... I think, yeah, I think last season was his best in the Premier League. He got fourteen. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a good season for him, um, particularly towards the back end. But yeah, it's it's he's still not enough. Um, with me personally, like you said, I don't mind who he goes for with Aubameyang or Lacazette up top, but he has to get the balance right across the front line. That's key because. Like I said, you know, Pepe, Aubameyang and Lacazette, they can't play together as a partnership. And it's crazy the out of money we spent on those guys. Um, They can't work as a collective. And um, I I, I think, to be fair to Arteta, what I will say is that right now, I think we are kind of struggling with um, options through the left-hand side. And, um, you know, you look at it, I think when you look at since Boxing Day all the way to the end of the season, when we had Odegaard come in in January, he did predominantly play one or the other and um, he kind of tweaked the front line depending on who was playing and how to get the best out of that centre forward. So, but right now, obviously, um, the left-sided options aren't very ideal. You know, you've got Reece Nelson, I don't think Arteta is a huge no. fan um, from what it looks like on the outlook. Willian, obviously, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I. I <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. Um, I don't, I, I do want him to be sold. But I don't think he was as bad since January, but again, he's not someone you'd want to come through in. Mm, yeah. Like,
1: he, he, uh, he improved slightly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I am mean, not clutching at straws there, but I think, you know, he's not got many op- op- options there, but with Saka coming back now, it's not ideal because I want this guy to get a bit of a rest and for him to be gelled slowly into the team. But mm. given the situation we're in right now, I think he's got a... We need him. We'll talk about that, obviously, later. Uh, yeah. yeah, but,
1: um, yeah. Definitely. No, Rowan, good points, man. Good points. Big ups to the people in the chat. The chat is insane. Thank you for the interaction. And like I said, smash that like button and subscribe to the same old Arsenal. Um, so I'm going to sort of come back to probably players that are linked to Arsenal who, who, or who might come in before the end of the window. But... I sort of want to come in with something else between that. Um, I could ask this question to any Arsenal fan in the universe, but I'm glad I've got you to ask you tonight. Um, We've sort of the fan base and uh, I think you have sections where there's ones that that say, oh, you know, not to be, there's too much negativity. Um, We need to get behind the players. We need to support the players. We need to get behind the manager. There's no point moaning and complaining, but then you've got the other aspect where they are going to moan and complain because they've seen what they've seen in recent years, culminating in very recent years two back to back eighth league finishes, yeah. no European football. Um, so uh, where where do you sit with it? Because you're I'm not, uh, listen, we, we've sort of joined the YouTube arena at the same time, um, so. We've seen what we've seen with Arsenal. Um, Where where do you sit with it in terms of the support for the players in the club, whatever way you want to phrase it, and sections of the fan base saying that it's it's all too negative, it's too much negativity. Um, Where do you sit with that? Because just to come before I bring you in, it's difficult to be positive about something negative. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And... You know, you know I me. Mean? I respect people's opinions, and I, I just think it's a bit difficult to be positive about our situation when we're not good to watch football-wise on the eye. We're not, and that and that's probably even before Mikel Arteta, to be totally honest. Um, it's been it's been a slog to support Arsenal, to be quite, to be brutally honest. So, so where do you sit with sort of the um? where the fan base should be even though you you know you've got your own opinion but where do you sit because obviously you see social media and you see how quickly it can turn
0: it can yeah i mean you just look at yesterday for example the uh the ramsdale news
1: um yeah (laughs) the morning
0: the afternoon it was chaos um Mm. you know i was getting messages and it was all over my timeline my worst nightmares came through Ramsdale's coming um And then obviously in the evening, um, there's a little bit more optimism because the club kind of pulled out on the deal. Um, It's it's one of those ones, I I can understand the frustration because like you said, when you look at it on paper, we finished eighth in successive seasons. And um, there've been some really bad times, obviously, you know, under Unai Emery, where we went on that barren run just in his last year where we struggled to win a game. We had the Emery period and nothing really kind of improved there. And then Arteta came in. And then last season, throughout the the whole of the first half of the season, we had to play that 3-4-3. Three, three. And um, it, it became very dull and boring and uh, yeah. not pleasing on the eye. And I understand the frustration um, with it. Um, with me personally, I am I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I just try and be as positive as I can. I like to look at it from both sides. Um, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I, I, I can't tell a fan how they should react and um what they should do and how they support the club you know um providing it's not abusive and um it goes over the line I think they can they have every right to kind of voice their opinion um so that's kind of where I stand on it um it can be negative I can understand it sometimes I think it potentially can go over the top but that's just from my own perspective but I don't know it's um
1: do you, do you know, sorry, Ron. To cut in, sorry, sorry to cut
0: in. You know what is
1: what? I think the reason why I sort of asked that question probably now is because where we are as a club. Because yeah, w- w- the thing is, I kind of I saw a lot of people doing this comparison thing, sort of um, during the Euros with Southgate and Arteta, for example, right? Mm. And uh, you know the similarities, and and I said for me, where the similarities will end is at least with the England side, yes, you can talk about the talent they've got. One word I use, I see progression. I personally, you might disagree, Rowan, yeah. I am struggling immensely to see progression at Arsenal.
0: Yeah.
1: On and off the pitch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I think that's probably why I sort of pose a question to you now, because people can see, it's, I understand about being positive, but not, Positive blindly. Because
0: no, of course not. Of course. I, I
1: can't sit and do podcasts like this and bring you one and and act as if everything's going to be okay. Arsenal are in a plight. Yeah. That was a strong word to use. I, d- I don't enjoy saying it. Yeah, but that's been the case for years. And actually, I don't think it's getting any better. Mm. Yeah. Um. And maybe preseason's a small reflection of that. Mm. Um. Yes, there's still time in the window, but you know, I I just Someone asked me, they said to me, I said, look, what do you think of this season coming up? I said, I'll be honest with you, I am not looking forward to it whatsoever. I said, I want Arsenal fans to tell me, people in the chat watching this, people watching this on um, YouTube, give us something as Arsenal fans as to why we should be
0: positive going into this season. I'm still waiting for the answer, by the way. I'll I'll give you something positive, (laughs) Uh, because I do like to be kind of optimistic and positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is why I like um, coming on you know, YouTube channels yeah. through, through Twitter, because obviously through writing, I like to do that. But I like to kind of talk to other people as well about what they feel about Arsenal. Um, I think if you look at last season, I split it into two halves. So I look at the season yeah. where obviously um, when it commenced all the way till Boxing Day, we had no creative midfielder available. So we had to play that 3-4-3. Free free. I called it a hybrid 3-4-3 free free because it changed drastically when we had the ball and when we didn't have the ball. Um, and it had a lot of success. It gave us a lot of success in the FA Cup run um, against lots of Man City, Chelsea. We saw some good patterns of play, particularly in terms of the way, you know, we kind of built out from the back. We moved it to, to the right. Pepe would put a cross in towards the back post for a bamiang Patterns like that. But then as the season went on, um, yeah. teams were able to nullify Arsenal because they realised... They couldn't create. So they sat deep, they remained compact, and they said, You have the you can have the ball. We know you're not going to be able to break us down. And we saw that time and time again throughout the first half of the season. And I felt a little bit sorry for Mikel Arteta because clearly in the summer he wanted to buy Hosimawa and the club yeah. weren't able to get him. And um, that creative midfielder would have allowed mm. us to move to a four, two, three, one, which is what we're seeing right now. And then obviously at Boxing Day, we had a Mill Smith Row come in as our creative profile. Yeah, he's yeah. a HLN graduate. He's not got significant amount of experience, but profile-wise, we needed him because he would have allowed us to kind of play a little bit more expansive and a little bit more pleasing on the eye. I know um, a lot of people still say that it is quite dull to watch, and I get that, but I think there have been, has been improvements since he's came to the team. And, you know, since we moved to that formation, we've seen consistency in terms of results and I think performances um, from a personal point of view. And when you look at the table, since his inclusion into the team, and since we were allowed to play Arteta's favoured formation, Hmm. we were second in the table. Um, We had one of the best defensive records. And also attacking-wise, I think we scored um, the third most in that period as well. So I think the way I look at it is when Mikel Arteta has his strongest eleven, I think we can be a good team. We're competitive. We've seen games against lots of Spurs at home where we were really good in that game. And there is optimism there. Right now, obviously, in the window, I think we're a bit short and that's where I'm a bit worried because um, we do need certain individuals to kind of allow us to maintain that consistency we've shown since Boxing Day. So the, the, the optimism, the kind of positivity I'll give to you is that there has been improvement since we have changed formation and when we've had a player who can kind of fit into the system and the way that Arteta wants his team to play. Don't get me wrong, Mikel Arteta still made... A plethora of mistakes yeah. at, um, yeah. throughout that time. And this is something that I've always reiterated. I back the manager. I really do like him. But he's made a lot of mistakes, particularly, I think, during that Villarreal period where um, he oh, overcomplicated. He <laughs> got me really frustrated as yeah. well. And he overcomplicated matters because one player became absent, Kieran Tierney, and he changed so many things and it, it just became very dull. But when we've had our strongest 11, when we've had players that he likes, I think we've seen improvement and um, I think we can see that going to next season, providing we bring in the players um, that we need towards the last stages of this window. Good points.
1: People in the chat, if I don't get to read your comments, I do apologise. It is very lively. I'm keeping up with it. Ian, big shout out to you, the Darlington fan that popped in a couple of messages in the chat. Don't think I haven't seen it. I've seen it, mate. So I appreciate you coming into the watch the podcast, mate. But people, thank you for the interaction. Um, Charlie L. Good point. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they bring out another kit again. Yeah, I'm sure another training tops coming out as well. That's it. They they have they have us Arsenal fans hoodwinked, man. I'm telling you, mate. They're good kits, aren't they? <laughs> they are good kits. To be fair, they are good kits. But me personally, I like my old school traditional ones. Yeah. So um I don't I don't dwell too much into the new kits. But not knocking anybody that wants to get them. Of course, you, yeah. you, you, earn, you earn your own money. Do Just... what you want is fine. But now, right, fans are asking that. But yeah, it's quite a lo- it's quite a difficult question to answer because. Listen, I, I, I there's nothing would make me more happy than to do my own channel and obviously, you know, part being part of the same old Arsenal family to come on and be positive and talk about fantastic midfield performances and the strikers can do no wrong, yeah. But that's not the case at Arsenal, unfortunately. People, we have to live in the here and now, um, but yeah, sort of, I sort of want to come to before I sort of mention, I'm going to come to actually the impending potential transfers that might possibly come in. Um, <laughs> there's some names being linked. I said this yesterday on my channel, on my live Q&A, Rowan. Um, if there's one player that got linked with Arsenal that no Arsenal fan can tell me saw coming was Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> I, I, I generally don't know where that's come from. Um, I remember sort of... Even last season, people in the chat um, agree, disagree. Um, When people used to talk about Leno, because there's a, to be fair, there's a lot of, there's a section of Arsenal fans that have never really, truly been convinced by Burn Leno, but they always used to say we have bigger problems to worry about at Arsenal, which is true at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Fast forward, I don't know six, seven, eight months. We badly need a goalkeeper at Arsenal. Because if Leno gets injured it's not looking good. It's actually, let me rephrase it, it's looking peak. <laughs> because it is. It Yeah, is. the Ramsdale one, I just, Arona, I don't know where that came from. Like, I generally don't. And I said, in defence of Ramsdale, right, you're having to play in front of uh, back four in terms of when he's at Bournemouth and yeah. Sheffield United, where they leak goals. And defensively, you haven't got that stability in front of you. So, I'll I'll, I'll cut him a little latitude, but That link, I don't understand. We've had the links with obviously Tammy Abrahams. Um, There's talks. It it goes from Erdegaard. It goes to Aouar. It goes to Madison, back to Erdegaard. Sort of coming to you, Roman, in terms of the Madison one, I think that's a smokescreen, personally. Mm. I don't see that happening. I think you've got more chance of landing Erdegaard or Hossam Hour personally. Um, But I've got to the stage now, be honest with you, I'm going to bring you in now. I don't care who comes in out of those three. Just get one of them in. Get somebody <laughs> in. Just get someone in. I think one person might come in. I won't say two. I think we'll definitely get, we'll see one more come in before the end of the transfer window. That's yeah. my own personal opinion. Yeah. If you're me what position that would be, I haven't got a clue. Yeah. Because we need so many positions. But yeah, what's your take on sort of the links with, whether it be Ramsdale, Erdegaard, Awa or Abrahams, where do you stick with that?
0: Well, I think with Ramsdale, I've got a lot to talk about this one. (laughs) Go on, go on. um, Again, right, with Ramsdale, I've watched him closely for two years now, both at Bournemouth and Sheffield United. And, um, I've not been convinced one bit. I I put him in my top three worst goalkeepers, um, in terms of performance-wise, through both Bournemouth and Sheffield United. And, is one that doesn't make sense to me because I look at Ramsdale and yes, he he saved a lot of shots throughout his two seasons at both Sheffield United. But I think what we've got to consider is the amount of frequency and the volume of shots that are coming at his goal. So he's going to be constantly active and that's allowing him to make a lot of these saves. But when you dive into it a lot more, what I see with Ramsdale in terms of just shot stopping ability, he tends to parry a lot of shots back into the danger area. So that's where numbers don't really kind of give you too much um, detail um, in it, you know, with regards to save percentage. And when you look at Ramsdale, if we just look at shot stopping, at Sheffield United and Bournemouth, like I said, he's constantly active. He's on his toes. He knows he has to make saves regularly. If he came to a club like Arsenal, again, what Michael Arteta has done is structurally, defensively, we've improved. We don't face as many shots on goal in comparison to when we had Unai Emery. Um, so it's a lower volume of shots. So the goalkeeper is not just down on their ability to make saves frequently. It's the concentration levels and the ability to be able to make that all-important save when you need to be called into action. So there's uncertainty whether he can kind of transition his style, of um, the way he's kind of tasked to play at Sheffield United, yeah. to Arsenal. So there's uncertainty there. I think in terms of commanding his area, he he does look uh, slightly better than Burnley in this aspect. Um, so I definitely will give him... Um, a tick or in that area. Um, yeah. but is, he a, is he a big goalkeeper, Ramsdale? I can't. He doesn't look that massive to he me. Not that big, but what I've seen of him, he, he's for his frame, he is quite decent in terms yes. of playing, um, dealing with crosses and those kind of situations. But then I think if we look at the main thing I need in a goalkeeper is their ability on the ball, and I know a lot yeah. of people will look at a goalkeeper and still think it's all about their shot stopping, but it's not particularly with the way that we want to play football. We want to play a possession-based style of football. We want to build up from the back. So we need a goalkeeper who is calm and composed on the ball. And again, Ramsdale, I don't think he significantly improves us in this aspect. And then if we go back to Bern Leno, I think when you're looking at a significant sample size and the performances he's provided since he's came to the club, I think he's been our best goalkeeper since Jens Lehmann. Um, I know you can say oh, Emmy Martinez but I think Emmy Martinez the sample was a lot smaller so I'm looking yeah. at over a larger sample
1: yeah, yeah of course of but, course that makes sense
0: yeah but last season I noticed a big problem with Bernd Leno and it's not just we need a number two I think we need a starting goalkeeper I really think When the ball is at his feet, he struggles massively. He creates anxiety for defenders ahead of him. Yeah, 100%. The passes he placed them. And he also takes far too long on the ball as well. He's not decisive enough. Commanding of his area, that's always been a bit of a sticky one with Bernanke. He struggles against teams that are physical um, when corners are coming in. And shot-stopping-wise, again, he showed when we've been under high volume, under Unai Emery, he bailed us out on a number of occasions. But then again, since our came in, where we face lower volume, it's about concentration levels. And Burn Leno has made blunders. You know, you look mm. at the game against Everton at the Emirates. If you can remember that one with the own goal, um, so yeah. he, he, there's a lot of areas that I are struggle with Burn Leno, and um, I think he massively needs to be replaced. Um, not just the number two, but then with Ramsdale is it doesn't make sense, as I've already stated. And when you consider the amount that's needed for him. 30 to 40 million that's quoted apparently it is, it's just not a smart investment in my opinion mm. you could say Ramsdale perhaps in the future he could be a top class goalkeeper because he is young he is 23 years old and goalkeepers have long careers and he's already had two years in the Premier League so that is a significant experience under his belt but it's a huge risk and it's a deal that i definitely not would be keen on no
1: <laughs> no I've got good 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 points man um Guys, like I kept saying, smash the like button. I'm sure you have. There's quite a few people watching, I think. I can see that. Nigel, get me the numbers if you're still there, Nigel. But I think very lively, very lively. The chat is popping in a good way. (laughs) Opinions, that's what it comes down to, people. Um, Like I said, with my channel, there's a slogan, just another opinion. And that's all it is. No better, no worse. But Rowan, players going out of Arsenal, which has been a major issue for a number of years. Um, They could put that down to the wages they're on, which is probably the reason why we can't get rid of them. Um, People not being interested. Um, I, I look at it, right, with this Arsenal hierarchy that we have now. And just my opinion, but they must be, they must have thought that sort of going into this summer transfer window, that they're going to get a lot of money coming in. If they did think that, in terms of player sales, I mean, yeah, they must be living in cloud cuckoo land. Because I'm looking, I'm I'm sort of scanning through my head thinking, how much money do they realistically think they're going to get? Yeah. Because Arsenal, to me, have priced themselves out of moves. You yeah. could have got the money for Lacazette last season. The thing is, I come from a retail background as well as loving sport and football. Yeah, You have to take a loss sometimes. Just take the money and run. Yeah. 100%. I was asked about Joe Willock last season. I was on somebody else's channel, right? And I said, you I can distinguish between not being sentimental and knowing what has what needs to be done. Yeah. I said, if Newcastle are serious about tabling 20 to 25 million on Joe Willock, Arsenal, I said at the time, quote unquote, take the money and run. Take it. It's nothing personal against Joe Willock. I said, I even said it. If Joe Willock comes back to Arsenal, Mikel Arteta can't be the manager because he's not going to be. He's not going to get a look in.
0: Exactly. And
1: even if you, and even if you thought he's going to get a look in, yeah, where's he going to play, Rowan?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like it's to me, it's, it's madness. Yeah. Um. So someone touched on the, in the comments about Richard Garlic, um, which I'm going to sort of interlink a tiny bit later, but. You know, what I think it is wrong. coming to you in terms of the transfers or why you think business hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you go along with what I say, or you might have your own thoughts, but I almost think like Joe Willock and the likes of Alex Oxley-Chamberlain years ago and Alex Iwobi, they've almost become the sacrificial lambs. Yes. They're yeah. easy to get rid of. Yeah. You know, you, th- you get the offer, take the money, done. People are like, well, why can't Arsenal get deals done? But... Some deals are easier than others. <laughs> this is exactly I, yeah. but I think that's the case of Joe Willock. I think nothing personal, the like, Hale-Lemboy and all the rest of it, but it, yeah, I just think he's, to me, he's been a bit of a case of a sacrificial lamb.
0: Yeah.
1: What do you make of that and the Willock and the people that still there?
0: I agree with everything you say. I think if we look at Joe Willock and Like I said, one of the biggest problems the club has had over the years, and this is not just over the past two, three years, but this is a has happened for years. And it's the inability to sell players at the right time and take the money and invest in other areas. Now, Joe Willock, when we look at him, during his loan spell at Newcastle. That system that Steve Bruce plays is tailored to him. They play over three-man midfield. Exactly. And it allows Joe Willock to make those third-man runs, break into the box, similar to the way Anne Ramsey did for us. And the goals he scored, the influence that he had for Newcastle in terms of keeping them up, he played a big part in that. He, he did really well, and he went on that run. I think it's seven goals in seven games in succession. And he did really well, but it was tailored to him. You come, he comes now back to Arsenal. He's a better player, and um, without a shadow of a doubt. But like you said, in our current system, there isn't room for Joe Willock in the starting eleven. unfortunately. When you look at the team and the way we shape up, there's two positions Willock can play. It's either in the midfield pivot, where you're tasked to be a lot more responsible in terms of your positioning, or you play as a number ten. Joe Willock, at the moment, his attributes aren't tailored to neither of those roles. Yeah, 100%. He, needs break, he needs to break into the box. So then you tell yourself, right, you could be a squad player coming off the bench and you could impact games in that kind of fashion. But is it worth keeping a player like that when we need to recoup money just to play a bit part role in the team, whereas you can invest that money, the 25 million that's going to come for his sale because of the performances he provided for Newcastle? You have to take the money. And um, – I think if Arsenal do take it, which it looks like they are going to, um, I think it's just personal terms right now that yeah. it would be a good um, bit of business because I think Arsenal have also included a sell-on clause. So if Joe Willock does go on and produce for Newcastle, he gets a bigger move, then that deal could potentially rise to near 30 million. So then you look at it and you think Arsenal have done quite well um, in terms of recoup- recouping the money for him. So I, I agree. I, I, I think you've got to take the money and run. It's nothing against Joe Willock. It's just yeah, the style of football. And the way we set up and in terms of other players and again we all want the likes of um hector bellerin um you know Kalasinach, these kind of guys to be moved on <laughs> yeah. but it's not as easy as what it's kind of seen um, yeah. right now i think what the club are doing is they have a value for their player a specific value and they want to negotiate around that the buying club doesn't want to meet the demands of arsenal and why would they given the fact that on paper we finished eighth so uh, immediately the players' values um, decreases because of that, because of the position we're in the table. And um, so it's difficult to move players on. And I think once the window starts to close, Arsenal will look at it and think we've just got to cut our losses and we've just got to let these guys go. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be for minimal amounts of money or it's going to be loans. And that's the reality of it. And when you couple that with the fact that we're in um, a global pandemic in the middle of one, it just makes everything a lot more difficult. So it's... I understand the frustrations. Everyone wants to see these guys be moved on. I, I really want to see it because I want to see fresh players coming in. I want to see a different look in our squad, but it's not as easy as what many kind of envisage.
1: Standard man, big up to you, old guy, man. The record. <laughs> it does. It looks weird that in, in seeing Bellerin in that tash. I don't know what I don't know what that's about, man. But no, Rowan, good points, man. Um sort of <sighs> I was, this is the, this is the part I sort of want to bring in and talk to you about. Really, big ups, people in the chat. I think there's 148 people watching. Thank you, people on the Twitter retweet and get people watching. Please do, like I say, smash that like button and subscribe to the channel and follow my esteemed guest on his Twitter and his channel and his future journalism career that he's budding for himself. But um, I want to talk to you about Arteta. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very divisive word, um, Very divisive. yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Very divisive. people have asked people sort of asked me, and I'll and I tell you why I'm gonna sort of bring him up, and so I'll probably touch on Edu and Vinay as well. Um, I was actually finding enough on the same old Arsenal on the four men and the mic show. Um, I think it was either the last 32 round or the last 16 in Europa League. And I said at the time, I said, What really, really concerns me is. We know as fans where Arsenal are at the moment, and it's not in a good place for a number of years. But notably, I would say the last few years of Wenger, right through to now as we speak on this platform. The issue I have is you've got Arteta there, Edu and Vinay, who are all inexperienced. I said that at the time. I said, this shouldn't be happening. It should not be happening. Because if you're talking about getting in better players and better recruitment and, you know, getting the right profile of player, which I've heard a lot in the last two or three weeks or a few months. is What I've seen now, or in this transfer window, even though there's still a few weeks to go, Rowan, and people in the chat, why did we think it was going to be good? Why did we think it was going to be a positive window? Yeah. You've got three key guys that are inexperienced in their roles. Yeah. You know, Eddie was a coordinator for Brazil. That's not yeah. the same skill set as a someone negotiating deals. Someone mentioned Richard Garlic in the um, in the chat earlier, saying, "Look, if, if you're going to basically quote my, don't quote my words, um, I can't remember the gen- name of the gentleman that mentioned Richard Garlic's name, but if you're going to get someone at that level, get the best." You know this guy works with no disrespect, work with West Brom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've had a systemic failing of people not negotiating contracts very well. Listen, maybe Richard Garlick's probably thinking, What the hell am I doing here? I, I don't know, I don't know what I don't know how far entrenched he is with the contracts. He's obviously the main guy, but
0: yes, yeah,
1: I just think when you look at those components of the three key figureheads at Arsenal, all being inexperienced,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. they're not going to pull the transfer of. transfers out of the hat it's not going to happen I take into consideration there's still time there is still time yeah not a lot of time but there's still time so yeah Rowan just your thoughts mate like like I'm not surprised with what I've seen in the transfer window hence the reason why I haven't done too much content on it why I've sat back let other people get frustrated because that's all it's going to do to you yeah um so yeah what's your sort of thoughts on like I said, touched on the inexperience of the three key s- senior figureheads and why were people possibly expecting us to do well in the transfer market?
0: Yeah. I think um, I-, I agree with a lot of the points you make. I think with Edu and Arteta, as much as I do like Arteta, despite him being a very divisive figure amongst <laughs> the families, um, I think when you've got Arteta who's inexperienced and it doesn't matter how much academic knowledge you have, no matter what industry you are in, If you've never been in that position, you're going to make mistakes. And um, whereas an experienced person who may not be as knowledgeable as you and as kind of modern as you, they're not going to make those mistakes. And then when you couple that with Edu, who's also an experienced, you've got two people there um, with regards to the transfers who are going to make mistakes. It's going to be kind of like trial and error. And that is worrying. Um, And we saw that. We saw that with Edu last last season as well. And what I was concerned with is, was his inability to get the hour deal done and over the line, because I think that was one that was essential. And I think if we had have brought him in in that summer, I know there was um, a few problems with regards to his brother and I think um, certain fees. But yeah. if we brought him in, I think our season could have been a lot different. Um, and then obviously this summer as well, there's been a lot of, Um, tension with regards to Edu and his inability to kind of bring players in. I've already touched on how it isn't as easy as what a lot of us kind of envisage. And that's why I think I'm going to, I know there's not long left, but I'm going to hold judgment properly (laughs) after the window. And I think I'll be able to give a proper assessment of Edu. He's the one I'm targeting right now because I gave him this summer. Um, A lot of people wanted him gone before this summer, but I wanted to give him the opportunity to see how he fares and the end, of the end of the window, if we have not addressed essential areas in my eyes, then I think we definitely need a change again amongst the hierarchy. And this is what's frustrating because, um, over the past few years, we've gone through quite a lot of wholesale changes amongst the hierarchy, you know, like of so Raul Sinelli. Um, you know, we've had whose family as well leave, we've had um Sven Mislintat, we've had a lot of changes, and that's it's you're not going to be able to kind of rebuild successfully because you're going to have a lot of conflict of ideas, players, people wanting different types of players and profiles, and it's a bit of a mess. Um, so I'll see with Edu at the end of this, um, the summer. I think Richard Garlick, I think we should give him a little bit more time because yeah. um, um, I think when we look at him when he came in, I think he came in towards the January period, his, yeah. his, his target was to kind of, with regards to the contracts, and also tie players down who we currently have, to a new deal and to ensure that we don't in the future have to sell them for peanuts, you know, like we have done previously with lots of Ramsey and players yeah. like that. And I think we have look at Tierney and Mill Smith-Rowe, two players who are vital for us, we've signed them down to new long-term deals. So there are positives there with regards to Richard Garlick. Um, but again, um, I understand the frustrations. I think, like I said, i reserve judgment on Edu in particular after the transfer window. And again, I think Richard Garlick needs a bit more time.
1: Yeah, well, good points, man. Um, guys, we're going to wrap up. So I'm gonna get, we're going to talk about the Brentford game, obviously. Um, the Premier League season starts for us beloved Gooners tomorrow night. Big up to the Arsenal fans that who are going to Brentford tomorrow because you have another away ground to visit, a new one. So enjoy yourselves because I know a lot of you guys have been itching to get back to football and, um, yeah, safe journey there and obviously enjoy yourself when you do get there. Within reason, obviously. And hopefully we'll get three points as well. But yeah, Roman, sort of um, what I hear a lot about in terms of Arsenal, and I'm going to touch on, obviously, a tiny bit of Arteta before we move on to Brentford, is I hear a lot of people talk about counterbalance. And I'm laughing when I say that because I understand about counterbalance in terms of it can't just be negative. But again, like I alluded to earlier in the stream, it's it's difficult to be positive about Arsenal. I said it last season, one of my famous lines was last season was, it's difficult to like this team. And that's where I'm at with Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I made a comment yesterday in terms of sort of, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of watching the Olympics. The last three have been amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So emotionally engaged with the athletes and hook line and sinker and the emotional attachment I don't have that with Arsenal. No. That's missing. It's been missing for years because they're not the club haven't given us anything to be happy about. Um and for the younger generation out there watching this or Rowan, you know I'm 21 plus VAT so I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> um it it will come good again. It's it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard hard slog. It, it will. And it's not getting any easier but We will get there, it's going to take a long time, though, and that's the only realistic thing I can say. Um, it's going to be past Mikel Arteta. I think where Mikel Arteta lost me as a fan,
0: yeah,
1: was when he said, If you got to know the cronkies better, you'd be surprised. From that, I was gone. Mm -hmm. I said, I can't, I cannot listen to this guy in a press conference anymore because even in Wenger's worst thoughts. He would never have come out and said that, Rowan. Never. Even though he took a lot of bullets from the, you know, in terms of the hierarchy. When Arteta said that for me, I said, you know what? I I can't listen to this guy anymore. Um, But yeah, tomorrow's game, man. Um, Brentford away. Um, (laughs) Newly promoted Brentford. Uh, Rowan, before I come to you, um, you know, Brentford have been a decent side for a few years, to be honest, even when Dean Smith was manager, to be Mm -hmm. fair. Um, They was always sort of hovering around the playoffs and the championships. Absolutely, should have come up the season before last, but they blew it on for me on quite a few occasions. And obviously, lost in the playoff final to Fulham. Um, got an interesting manager in Thomas Frank. I'd love to sort of know more about him. I'll see how he is, you know, he cuts his his teeth in the Premier League. But we look at the obvious main man in Ivan Tony you know, 31 goals, 10 assists last season. But with any good striker, you need a good supply line, hundreds. Yeah, they've got the experience in the back with Pontus Janssen. And they've got, obviously, they've got Sergei Kanos and Brian Muebo um, goals and assists. I think Muebo um, had eight goals, 11 assists. Sergei Canos nine goals, nine assists. So his supply line came from there for even Tony. So Brentford are not going to fear us. So what, what have you made? What, what have you seen of Brentford probably in the last, I don't know, year, 18 months? And how do you see tomorrow's game going?
0: Um, you make a really good point. It's not just last year, but the season before as well. They should have got into the Premier League. I remember it was David Raya, very highly rated Brentford goalkeeper. He made a yes. massive blunder in that final. Do yes, exactly. you remember it? Um, yes. And um, it was really, I was disappointed because I like to see a new team come in the Premier League um, who, who play a good brand of football. And again, Thomas Frank, what he's done is he's been able to pick them up from that low. And again, they've gone again this season. And I've been impressed. I've not watched as much, but I've yeah, seen yeah. enough from, for, to give a judgment on them. And I think for most parts of the last season, they played a 4-3-3. But then towards the latter stages of the campaign, they moved to a back three and they played more of a 3-4-1-2. And they had um, Mbwemo, Brian Mbwemo and um, Ivan yeah. Toney top. And they had yeah. Sergio Canos as well um, as that kind of creator as well. And what I like about Brentford is they are a very modern team not just in terms of on the pitch and their philosophy and the way he sets the team up but also on the uh, off the pitch um with the analysts the way they recruit players and it's just really good to see um in terms of the way they play um on the ball it's kind of similar to us in terms of the way they build up from the back they mm-hmm. play with the back free they build in that way they have a midfield pivot and then they have a kind of like a front five who they attack with it's very similar to us but it, different principles obviously. What I've seen with Brentford is they like to kind of play a lot of their football through central areas and that opens up the space out wide and um, so they, they're, they're quite dangerous through all um, all areas of the pitch, all zones um, and I think also what they're really good at is the way they press with intensity, they win the ball back high up and they um, they did that a lot last season and um, they, they got a lot of success from it. Obviously Ivan Tony's the main man but like you yeah. said Supply lines with the likes of Embuemo, who's been electric. I remember watching him in the um, the playoff semi final against yeah. uh, Bournemouth. Um, he was unreal. Ivan Tony got a lot of credit, but he was the man of the match for me in terms of how um, lively he was and the quality he provided. Sergio Canas as well is another very technically gifted player. David Riversley at the back in goal. They've got some very good players and they play a very good brand of football. What's also worth mentioning is that. Brentford last season, they scored 12 goals from corners. They are wow. a threat in the air. Ivan sure. Tony's got a good frame. He's good in the air, but he's not as clinical from what I've seen in those situations. But the back line, the centre-backs, they're dangerous. And um, it's going to be a bit of a test for us because last season, we were statistically the best team defending corners. Um, but then wow. since, obviously, we had our set-piece coach, leave. He did very well in terms of the defensive aspect, but offensively we were atrocious. Um, rubbish. Um, but defensively we did a lot better, and we've kind of brought this new guy in, um, Jova, who actually started off at Brentford, Then um, he went to Man City and he's came to Arsenal, so hopefully he'll help us um, maintain defensively from corners, even though in the first few games of pre-season we looked woeful. Um, we looked very suspect in those situations, so that's something to worry about. I think weaknesses with Brentford is any team who play this kind of brand of football, who want to play on the front foot, want to dominate the game, want to press well, is if you play around their press, there's so much space in behind. They they can be really hurt on the counter-attack. And I think tomorrow's game, I see it as a very difficult one because you yeah. look at it, it's Friday night, it's under the lights, a newly promoted team, packed crowd. The first time the Premier League is going to have a packed crowd um, since the pandemic started, Um And Brentford will look to make an impression and they will take the game to Arsenal. But I think that will play into our hands because we'll try and take the game to them. So it will be an open game rather than us playing a team who defend in a low block, which is what we struggled with last season, uh, breaking a team down. So I don't think we'll have many problems there. But I think we've got to understand that Brentford are going to be a test offensively. And um, it is going to be difficult. But I think when you consider the fixtures we have after that, it's a must win. No,
1: absolutely. Um, Our first two months of the season, like I said, are pivotal. Um, I would expect a minimum 10 out of 18 points if you actually look at the fixtures, um, because there's some games I just don't see us getting a victory or getting a point at all. But before we wrap up, Ronan, I'm going to get your um, score prediction for tomorrow and people in the chat, get your virtual waves and your virtual hugs goodbye
0: My score, oh, it's a difficult one. I'm, ner- I'm nervous for this because I look at it, like I've just said, there's so many factors that make me w- make me really nervous about it because we're opening the season off again and all eyes are going to be on Arsenal. We've had, obviously, there's a lot of tension with the fans and the frustrations with regards to transfers. It's going to be difficult, but I can never go against my team. So <laughs> I'm going for a 4-1 win. <laughs> 4-1 yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> Rowan has gone bold. Um, I think if we that, get an early goal, I think yeah. if we settle the, gra- the crowd early, I think it could be a lot easier. But I do think, despite the fact that Brentford are a very good team and pleasing on the eye, I think they'll do all well this season, I think that it's a game that kind of plays into our hands as well in a certain way. And if we can get an early goal, we can silence the crowd, it could potentially be easy. 4-1 is what my heart says.
1: <laughs> that is very positive. Listen, people talk up. Listen, I've been on this channel enough times. People talk about counterbalance and being positive. My boy, my man, Rowan has just been ultra ultra positive. Nigge, I go with the two one in my in my head, but my heart says one one. Um, guys, I want to big up the guys in the chat. Amazing interaction. Um, like I said to people, smash that like button. Rowan's going four one. Nigge said two one. Albert is going two-one stroke, one-one a little bit. I'm I'm cheating a little bit, I'm being a bit greedy, but um, <laughs> but I hope we go we get the three points tomorrow because we need to start the season yeah. on the front foot, 20%. irrespective of what has gone on previously. But yeah, big up to you guys in the chat, man. Um, thank you for making my first evening as a host on the same old Arsenal podcast more than enjoyable. Like I said, big up to Craig and Dan who brought me on board. Love my Arsenal family. Same old Arsenal. Love the podcast before I even, even even came anywhere near it. But to be part of it, to be a permanent fixture, has been amazing. Thank you for the support and the good luck messages. And I couldn't have done my first show without my amazing guest, RJ Arsenal Blog. Tell the guys where they can find you and obviously about the things you do with your YouTube channel and respect to you for getting the gig with your freelancing for football. London. Amazing, bro.
0: Yeah, oh, it uh, really means a lot. Um, it's quite quite overwhelming because I've only been doing this for a year, very similar to when you started. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at RJ Arsenal blog. Um, I, I do articles now for Football London. Um, it's a bit surreal because before last year, I had never written a single football article in my life. Um, uni commitments made it difficult for me to kind of progress earlier. Um, but I thought, you know, when lockdown commenced, I thought, there wasn't many jobs out there for for grads um, going out of uni. So I thought I'd look to see if I can do this because I love talking about Arsenal. I love the club, even though it gives me nightmares. Um, I, I really do uh, love talking about Arsenal. I thought if I can couple my ideas with an article format, maybe I could potentially get some with it. And um, it's, it's been quite surreal. Um, so, yeah, I'll be writing uh, Freelancing for Football London. I've already written a few pieces for them. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you want to follow, then... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's right there, <laughs> not <Yeah>. forcing anyone, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, of
1: course, people go, go and support my bro, man. Amazing guy. I, I, I've said this to Rowan privately and publicly, um, younger generation Arsenal fan who speaks brilliantly and articulately and gets his points across in a fantastic, plausible way. So, my little brother, I call him, man. Seriously, okay. so people go and subscribe. People subscribe to the same old Arsenal, and obviously, I have my own channel as well. Yeah. I just to clarify something to a lot of people because a lot of people ask me. I will still be doing my own channel. I've put too much work into it to just give it up like that. But I've been given an amazing opportunity by Craig and Dan and the rest of the mm-hmm. lads. So I want to do them proud as well as do my own channel. So One people, second. have an amazing Thursday night. To my gooners, enjoy tomorrow who are going. That is me over and out, same old Arsenal. Come on, you gunners.
0: Podcast Network.